Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Let's continue in an attitude of prayer. Lord, Open our hearts to the world's pain so close to home this week. And as we meditate on your grace, help us to give up our lives afresh, that we might find them again truly in you. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. morning. My name's Tim. Uh, Fiona, my wife, and I and my two sons started coming to Emmanuel in May 2005. It's been a great privilege to be asked to preach this morning. As we've heard, next Sunday is the start of Prisons Week, a time when the churches ask all of us to unite in prayer over the prison estate. We're covering it a week early, and that's great. It gives us more time for prayer. I'd love us to unite in prayer and action and let them spill over, not just into next week, but throughout the coming year. More of that later and from others. So why me? Well, for those that have joined the congregation more recently and may not know our story, I found myself being drawn into prisons ministry after a particularly tragic loss. Perhaps you'll allow me the luxury of a recap. Fiona and I were woken on the morning of Saturday, the 18th of January 2014, by the loud knock of a policeman at our door. Our 16-year-old son, Dan, had been found unconscious outside an illegal rave in Hillingdon. We would later learn that he'd consumed half a gram of ecstasy. We thought he'd gone to a party in Clapham, so all this came as a total shock. Together with our 18-year-old son, Jacob, we hurried to Hillingdon Hospital to be with him. Later that day, he was blue-lighted over to a bed in King's College Hospital at the Liver Intensive Care Unit. But he never regained consciousness. We were with him while all the medical options were tried and gradually failed. And he died at 12.50 on Monday, the 20th of January, surrounded by family and Bridget Shepherd, who many here will remember. Could I have the first slide, please? That's Dan um, at Soul Survivor and generally enjoying life as only Dan could. We were baptised into a new world, and that's putting it mildly, I can tell you. For months, we barely coped. Dear friends from this congregation would come and deliver an evening meal to us. That's the second mention of lasagna this morning. That's just one of many practical acts of love that you showed us then. 
And we are eternally grateful for those still. But right from the start, we were confronted by the question, what to do about the two young men arrested and charged with the supply of Class A drugs? Time is too short to go into all the ins and outs, but it's true to say that from very early days, we knew that the perpetrators could not fix the problem they'd created. We knew that we wouldn't feel better by taking something from them, a like-for-like retaliation. This wasn't a zero-sum game. And though we were emotionally raw and numb by turns, we were revolted by local people in, in central Croydon. Local people's reaction to one of the accused families, they put bricks through their window, threatening to attack their daughter. Early on, we knew that evil had had its day and we hungered to see what might happen if good was allowed to have its turn instead. By the time of Dan's funeral, the 11th of January, with support again from here, from many precious folk, we'd already started the Daniel Spargo Mabs Foundation, a drugs education charity. We're so grateful but it's still going that you're supporting us with that too. We just wanted to ensure that what had happened to us didn't happen to any other family. It hurt too much, and we didn't hate anybody enough to wish that on them. A stranger came along at Dan's funeral, and he invited us over for supper a bit later on. He offered his condolences, and over supper a few weeks later, he mentioned that while the grief is overpowering now, there might come a day when we might be able to turn the story to good. We might be able to use it talking to prisoners. He mentioned a thing called sycamore tree. They've since become firm friends. And we quickly began to work on sycamore tree in prisons and find that it's one of the best things we know for coping with our grief. Sycamore Tree is a victim awareness course run by Prison Fellowship, a national Christian charity that I work for. Could I have the next slide, please? There we have a suitably GDPR version of, of a Sycamore Tree session. Over six weeks, groups of prisoners work through two workbooks towards a qualification. In week three of the course, a victim of crime comes in to tell the story. In week six, he, go, he or she goes back to hear what effect the story's had on the prisoners. Throughout the course, it takes the story of Zacchaeus as its model. Zach, as he's known on the course, stands for the person who's wronged victims and the community. We've read the story. He climbs a sycamore tree to see Jesus, and Jesus invites himself to lunch with Zach. We don't know what they say to each other. And strictly speaking, Zach hasn't committed a crime in Roman law. But financially, morally, and spiritually, he has impoverished his community. By the end of the meal, Jesus has persuaded Zach to repay his excess with interest. And so Zach does what Jesus hopes every criminal, every sinner does. He realizes what harm he's caused and literally acts out his repentance. In so doing, he points his way, he points the way to healing for victims 
for perpetrators and for the community. He embodies the principles of what we call restorative justice, whereby the emphasis is on healing the harm rather than simply punishing the offender. Course attendees are less likely to re-offend than others after release. Isn't that just healing in action? Back to our story. Later the summer of 2014, one of the boys pleaded guilty to supplying Dan and a date was set for his sentencing. The other pleaded not guilty. There was a trial. He was found not guilty by Isleworth Court. The day after the not guilty verdict, Emmanuel Cycle Group had organised a fundraising cycle ride to Brighton for Dan's charity. Another act of love we'll never forget. Could I have the next? Oh, you've done it. Marvellous. Look at that happy crowd. Jacob without a beard. You wouldn't recognise him today. There we were, crossing the finishing line in Brighton. That raised £6,000 for us. It funded the writing of a play about Dan's life and death. A play that we've toured through schools every year since 2017 with a short break for COVID. It's now a GCSE set text for drama. Could I have the next slide, please? There's the cover of the book. It's published by uh, Bloomsbury. Um, And then shortly after that, we had the guilty man's sentencing. And that was when something happened that I will never forget. Many years ago, it was in 2000, I'd read an account in a book by Philip Yancey of the murder of a South African man by a white policeman during the apartheid years. At the trial, the judge pointed to the convicted man, asked the murdered man's mother what she would like to do with him. Without hesitating, the woman rushed across and flung her arms around her son's murderer. I want to take him into my home, she cried, and look after him as a son, for you see, I no longer have a son to look after. I'd cried when I first read it, but I didn't have the mental furniture to take it in. And over the years, because life gets busy, I'd forgotten the story. Suddenly, in the heat of the August afternoon, in a little concrete bunker in Isleworth, amid the mitigating speech by the defence barrister, was it true or was it just flannel? I realised that it wasn't up to me to judge. That story came rushing back I just knew that I wanted to be like that woman. I wanted to restore with justice. It was for others to punish. That was and is the gateway of the grace I had received and I receive to this day. God knows the truth. I can leave it to him. I'd worked in learning disability services since January 96. I was then employed by the Larsh community in West Norwood. But Dan's death changed me. Little by little, I was ceasing to fit in. I was being told I had to leave Dan's story kind of at the gate at work. And of course, that was totally impossible. But I was too bruised to believe there could be something else out there for me. So I just stuck it out. Fiona was wiser than me in this, as in so many things. And she changed jobs to run the charity in 2016. It took a redundancy in 2021 to shake me out of my rut. 
And it was then that Prison Fellowship emailed me and suggested I might like to apply as a coordinator for them. The rest, they say, is history. I now coordinate two of their programmes, not Sycamore Tree Course, but Letterlink, a wonderful scheme whereby volunteers can write to prisoners and vice versa. Uh, that functions all year round. And the other one, I do Angel Tree, which happens in the second half of the year. Volunteers up and down the country buy presents on behalf of people in prison for those people's children. I've seen miracles of grace and forgiveness and healing there. What's all this got to do with, what, what do I hear you cry? Is all this got to do with me? Well, I just want to come back to the gospel, the church, forgiveness and healing. Let me be absolutely clear. Dan's death broke me. Emotionally and spiritually, this was meltdown. I wasn't coping. There was nothing for it but a sort of factory reset. And of course, that is exactly when the grace invades the story. Factory reset, a sort of being born again, again, was just the thing God needed me to have. To be honest with you, my ways of pleasing him hadn't been that great. There'd been too much me and not enough him. He needed, he still needs my poverty, my brokenness. He doesn't need my good deeds. And it was precisely the experience of being empty, totally empty, that was the gateway. In a room full of men, and it's usually men, on a sycamore tree course in a local prison, I regularly encounter broken people. They know it. They're not trying to cover it up. Somehow the chaplains and the staff do an amazing job of creating and enabling that atmosphere. My brokenness and theirs communicate loudly. I'm really not there to hand something down from a position of moral superiority. I'm not there to judge or condemn. I'm there to tell the story of a boy who died far too young and how his grieving family has been picked up by a force far greater than them and given the opportunity to bring something good out of something so bad. Could I have the next slide, please? Evangelism, said D.T. Niles, is one beggar telling another where to find bread. Nowhere is that more true for me than on Sycamore Tree Course. Before God, we're all beggars. I think Zacchaeus' meeting with Jesus was a factory reset moment for him too. Factory resets are where new beginnings are made and the break with the past is clear. Jesus made Zach's factory reset the gateway to a fuller life. Can I have the next slide, please? It's the means whereby St. Paul was able to say, I have been crucified with Christ. And the life I now live, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you heard that Jesus was coming to Croydon, where would you go in your efforts to hear him? Maybe not up a sycamore tree, but perhaps you'd go to the cloud. Would he be streamed on YouTube? Who knows? But think for a moment what your strategy would be. Imagine yourself there. Imagine if you can, 
if you dare, that from amongst the throng, he's, it is you he turns to and looks at. He calls you by name and announces he wants to come home with you for a meal. What would you do? Would you offer to take him to Pizza Express because the house is so messy? What if he were to say to you that the mess is precisely why he wants to come to your house? Would you let him in? And if you've got that this far with me, would you try to imagine what he would say to you as you spoke and ate together? My hunch is he'd be talking about brokenness, not as a disqualification for his company, but as almost the only qualification. Brokenness, openness, and the response to his call. The men and women I meet in prison are all broken. We tell Dan's story without judgment, and many people there experience it as a call, some as a factory reset. We can't overtly talk about Jesus because that's not allowed unless you're a chaplain, but many get, us where, get where we're coming from without us having to be explicit. And the results I can testify to are some of the most powerful experiences of redeemed community that I've ever had. Across Brixton, Wandsworth, Downview, High Down, sycamore trees all across the prison estate. All of us, tax collectors and sinners, eyes open, hearts broken, tears sometimes flowing, sitting at the feet of the one who promises forgiveness and restoration and who tells us that it's, we went home, God, went home vindicated by God this way and not while we were clinging to our own wealth, our own righteousness. Maybe there's an opportunity here for each one of us. Maybe a factory reset is what God is asking for me today. It's not a one-time thing. We need them frequently. Maybe we need to hear again from the, the lavish love of the one who was broken for our transgressions and whose brokenness, whose broken body is his chief glory and honour. Brokenness and confession can lead us to realignment with the truth, the ugly truth, the truth about ourselves, as well as the beautiful truth that picks us up by the hand tells us to walk in step with him, offers us a light yoke compared to the heaviness of the guilt we've carried maybe for decades and suppressed. These truths can, if we will let them, lead to a fresh experience of forgiveness. James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. I've seen this power in prisons turn the hearts of gang members, drug dealers, murderers. So without hesitation, I can say God's love is the strongest power in the universe. It can reach the parts that other fears cannot reach. Forgiveness unlocks hearts in ways that nothing else can. I could go on. I won't. I would simply urge you to come and join the party. If God is at work in our prisons, please pray for them. 
first up, pray for the inmates, the staff. Above all, perhaps, for the chaplains. I could give you statistics, but suffice it to say, as you've heard already, the system is almost at breaking point. Take a prison's leaflet when they arrive. I'll bring them next week. Wouldn't it be great if, as a church, God could put together a prayer group here, interceding as God leads for the men and women in prison, that there would be a great harvest. The fields are ready, I tell you. Have a think about what you could do. Come and talk to me afterwards if God's been speaking to you. Could you write to a person in prison? I can organise that. Could you volunteer at a local prison? We're going to hear later about a wonderful way that we could get involved in doing that together. Could you prayerfully consider giving to the work of prison fellowship? Sponsor a sycamore tree course? Donate some presents for angel tree? Again, come and find me. If you just want to find out more or have questions, then I'm always here and I'm always available at the prison fellowship desk um, always via the contact page. Could I have that last slide, please? Take this further, please, guys, in your own lives, whether it has to do with prisons or just personal renewal. Speak to a, a prayer minister, a member of the clergy, me if you think I could help. Jesus is in town. Don't pass up the opportunity. Let's close in prayer. God forgave my sin in Jesus' name. I've been born again in Jesus' name and in Jesus' name I come to you to share his love as he told me to. He said, freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. Go in my name and because you believe, others will know that I live. God bless you, Emmanuel Church. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.